0: been on this amazing journey through the book of James, and uh, we've discovered a lot of things along the way, and one of the things that we've discovered is that James encourages us to have joy in difficult times, to delight in trials, to to dignify trials as we walk through life, and to know that God allows trials in our lives through His sovereign hand, through the throne of grace. He allows difficult things in our lives, and we are to dignify those and not to try and bring them to a short end, but to allow the Holy Spirit to do His f- complete work in us. And we learned also about wisdom from heaven. We learned that, that James talks and says we can have joy, a supernatural do- joy. We can have a supernatural wisdom in the midst of difficult things. It comes, uh, just, it comes from, from heaven. It's a, it's a gift of God to us. And then we, we learned also that uh, James said, each of us should know this, that no evil comes from God. And none of us are to say that God leads us into temptation because God cannot be tempted by evil in any way. He's altogether pure, lovely. He's altogether good and generous and just. And he cannot be tempted by evil in any way. And so when we are tempted by evil, we need to take responsibility and look to our own hearts and the evil that is within us. Yeah? It's basically saying we're deceived if we think like that. And so when we are tempted to gossip about others it's because we're not fully convinced that God is able to take care of the sin of other people, so we're just going to help him a little bit. And so we gossip. When we're tempted to be anxious, it's because we're not fully convinced that God can take care of all of our needs, and he's our provider. And so we, we can become anxious, and that can lead towards us uh, sinning. So basically what James is trying to tell us is that Fear, really, is the root of temptation. And so now, the verse that we're going to read this this morning, which I started last time I preached, he points us to this delightful thing. He points us to the goodness of God. He points us to the kindness of God. And I want you to read with me, please, verse 16 and 17. James writes, he says, Do not be deceived, my brothers, my beloved brothers. Do not be deceived. Every good gift, every perfect gift, is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So the title of my message this morning simply is the Father of lights. We're going to have a look at what that means. So basically, James is encouraging us along the way. He's saying we don't need to fear about anything because actually every good gift, every perfect gift comes to us from our Father in heaven, which he calls the Father of lights. And there's no exception. Remember, I said, said James was, was strong in his language. He said, let no man say that God is tempting him. There's no exception to that. And here again, his language is strong. He's saying, there's no exception to this thing, that every good gift comes to us from our Father in heaven. Every good thing on the faith of the planet comes to us from our Father in heaven. Everything else He's either from below, from the devil, or it's from within us, every bad thing. And so God wants us to know that we can trust him to fulfill every need that we have, the deep longings of our hearts, because every good thing comes from him. And so James is trying to encourage us and say, actually, as we recognize what temptation is trying to do in our lives, and we take responsibility for it personally, We can break that. Remember I talked about that downward spiral. The perfect plan that the devil has for your life is spiritual death. And so he tempts you. He tempts you to to believe that God is leading you into temptation. And he tempts you to believe that evil is from God. And God allows certain circumstances. And it's a downward spiral towards death, spiritual death. And the, the contrasting upward spiral that God has for your life is that as you trust the Holy Spirit in your life, as you begin to just journey with God and walk with Him, He takes you ever upward until patience has completed its perfect work in you and you see something of wisdom from heaven for your life and you live supernaturally in ways that other people can't live because of the transforming power of Jesus within you. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So James... This voice, this, he's pointing us to the goodness of God as a foundation in our lives. He's saying, this is the foundation of your life, that God is good to you. Every good thing comes from him. Every blessing that we enjoy comes from him. And so I had a look last week at common grace and saving grace. And I want to summarize quickly so that I can get on to what I want to say this morning. But I said we can understand common grace in four ways. Remember? Remember? The classic good. And that's things that teach us about and help us to appreciate the world that God has created and the world that we live in. And so I'm talking about things like uh, music and literature and art and science. These are great gifts to us. And living in London is such a privilege. You can just get on the tube in St. Albans or the train or in Watford where I live and within 20 minutes you can be right in the center of London and you can enjoy for free these amazing museums. Where you can just go and discover about the world in which we've li- lived and God has created. This is common grace to our lives. What about the common good? I talked about law and order and good government, and we've had two policemen here this morning. Police persons, is that right? That's, I can't say police men. Police persons. Um, That's part of God's grace to us, that there's good government, that there's law and order, that we have hospitals and nurses and doctors that serve us and love us. It's the common grace of God extended on all of humanity, all the created goods. That's what comes to us, our natural talents, our natural aptitudes, our intellect, the things that we're good at. And I said... Those should never be a cause for pride in our lives. If you are very gifted intellectually or you're a good sports person or whatever you are, remember always as a Christian, that's a grace gift to you. You've got nothing to do with that. It's God's gift of grace to your life that you can enjoy. And so there's a humility that comes when we recognize that actually God gives us these gifts just because he loves us. Part of his common grace. And then I talked about the changing good. And those are the things that are Good for us as human beings that come through developments in technology and medicine and science. And anything that displaces evil is from God. And what I try to say to you is that whether that comes through someone who believes, or someone who's an unbeliever, it doesn't matter. It's the grace of God. It's common grace to us. I'm so glad penicillin was invented and discovered by somebody because my wife couldn't sleep this week because she was so ill. So they went, she went to the doctor and penicillin was given to her. Now she feels better. It's the part of God's common grace to our lives. Whether you have supernatural healing or it comes through a doctor, it's part of God's common grace. We rejoice in this. Does that mean that only Christians can discover these things? Of course not. What do we read? Matthew 5, 45. God makes the sun shine and rise on evil, on the evil and the good, just as he sends rain on the just and the unjust. This is God's common grace to all of us, So we are thankful for the world. We are thankful for every good gift. But then I said, all those good gifts, they can't save us. They can't take away our sin. They can't remove our guilt from us. The only thing that does that is the saving grace of Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus. And we looked at how saving grace and common grace influence each other, and I'll work together. But ultimately, at the end of the day, we don't put our faith in what we can see. We put our faith in what is unseen, Jesus, the living one, who is altogether good and lovely. So I want to focus on the second half of the verse this morning. And it says, every good gift comes to us from above. The language is, it's coming down to us. From the Father of lights. It comes down to us. Every good gift comes down to us. I love the language of the Bible. It's active. It's not saying, James is not saying every good gift has come past tense or will come future tense. He's saying every good gift comes present tense to us in our lives. It is God's active will in your life continually from day to day. He is actively at work in your life, pouring good upon you every single day. No such thing as accidental good. No such thing in my life as coincidence. No, God sovereignly moves in my life and in your life. He sovereignly orchestrates things, that we meet people that can help us, and the Spirit moves on someone to do this, and the Spirit moves on... It's part of God's active will in our lives, day by day. God is not some kind of mean clockwork maker who's just wound up the universe and step back from the universe, and now it's just winding down. That's what many people believe. God is not like that. The scripture says, Ephesians, um, Acts seventeen, twenty-eight. in him we live and move and have our being. I agree with Greg, who said this, the only thing that's stopping the universe falling apart is the presence of the Lord Jesus. If he was to remove himself from the universe, it would implode instantly and everything that we see would dissipate. It would be nothing. God doesn't have to kill anything. All he has to do is remove his presence and it dies. He upholds everything by the power of his word. Jesus. What does 1 John 3 remind us? All things... Again, I love the language of the Bible. It's so, it is, it is dogmatic. All things, no exception, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen. Or verse nine, the true light which gives light to everyone, came into the world. Every living thing, every good thing, whether it's been invented, or whether it comes by revelation, is something that comes by the active will of God into our lives. God is the great initiator. Like Schwarzenegger says, like uh, Mark Gango said, I am the initiator. I will initiate. <laughs> well, God God is the great initiator, isn't he? He initiates every good thing. He initiates every blessing in your life. He pours it out upon you without you even asking. Everything starts with him. He is the great initiator of every good thing. And so James is encouraging us. He's saying, I want you to, t- I want you to learn to know the difference between what comes from above and what comes from below and what comes from within you. Everything that comes from within you, everything that comes from below is dying. It's decaying. It's imperfect. It's never permanent. And Jesus himself said that. Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth will pass away. I'm trying to encourage you. Don't fix your eyes on what is passing away. Because it is passing. Passing. And when we look at the world, that's obviously true, isn't it? Things are unpredictable. Things are unstable. The world is changing at a rapid rate. People are unstable. People don't keep their word. Friends come, friends go. I want to say to you, don't be surprised by that. Why? It's the nature of sin. It's inside every one of us. Those things are just because we are people and fallen people. I mean, a year ago they were telling us there wasn't a problem with phone hacking. Now there seems to have been a great deal of problems with phone hacking. (laughs) The world is always changing. Truth is always shifting. People are not constant. Is there anyone who is constant? Is there anyone who's not changing? Well, James points us he points us to that person and he says he is the one from whom every good gift comes. And he is the father of lights. He is constant. He is unchanging. He is unswerving. I want you to look to him. So you might ask, well, if God, if God is good and he's unchangeable, why does the good that he gives change? Well, what I mean by that is this. We have a beautiful rose pet plant that goes up by our front door. And I always love it when the roses come out. And they start as a little bud, and then they start to get increasingly more beautiful. And then there comes a point where you see that the rose actually has passed its best. And the kind of, the flowers get all floppy, and it just does that. So that's, I mean, a wonderful thing. It's a good thing. It's a gift from God. It's something to be enjoyed. But why does the good that God gives change? Why does nature change? Why do things die? If they are good gifts, why do they die? It's a good question to ask. Well, I answer you because there's a difference between what is good and what is perfect. What is good does change. What is perfect does not change. And all the good of the world will change. Why will it change? (laughs) Because it's part of what is passing away. Heaven and earth will pass away. That's why I would encourage you as a Christian not to fix your eyes on what you can see. The Bible encourages us not to fix our eyes on what we can see. It encourages us to do the opposite. It says fix your eyes on what you cannot see, what is eternal. In fact, it says faith is this. Faith is the substance of fixing your eyes on the thing that you hope for that you cannot yet see because everything else is passing away. I want to encourage you as you walk through your life with Jesus not to fall in that classic mistake, fixing your eyes on what you can see, Fix your eyes on what is eternal, what is everlasting, what you cannot see. fix your eyes on the author of every good gift, not the gift itself. see there's the good that is attached to what is passing away, and then there's the perfect, and the perfect is God perfect is God himself, his gift of himself to us through the person of Jesus Christ and it's beautiful it's wonderful it 's a privilege to be alive, and we live in a, a, a time of relative world peace and relative world history of uh, prosperity, even though we're going through a, a recession right now. But my friends, that can, that can trans- be transformed in an instant like that. Like that. And ha- hasn't it been interesting that simultaneously over the last couple of years, we've also been seeing volcanic eruptions all over the world. We've been seeing earthquakes. We've been seeing tsunamis. And how many of your lives haven't instantly changed because you lost your job? Don't fix your eyes on what you can't see Fix your eyes on what you cannot see, what is eternal. And for me, the good that we see, every good thing, should inspire us to worship the Father of every good gift, the Father of lights. And this is what humanism encourages us to do. Humanism encourages us to look to people for the source of every good thing and celebrate people as as the answer No, no, and and Christians celebrate who is in heaven, who gives the gifts of people through which good things come. But we celebrate him. Celebrate him, the Father of lights. So I just want to look at this phrase quickly. Why does James call him Father? Why does James call him Father? Is it because there's this kind of like new age thing, like God is just sort of like our Father, you know? He's the Father of all the brotherhood of man. Does 't matter what you believe God is your father is is that what he's talking about I don't think so that's not biblical that's not what God is saying god is James is talking here as a father who produces something we fathers produce children fathers reproduce themselves and so that's what James is saying he's saying the father of lights is giving birth to everything that is good. That's why he describes him as a father. He, he's a father that is producing something. And, and that makes perfect sense when we look at the, of, of the rest of the first chapter. Because what did James encourage us? He said, he said that patience is trying to produce something in our life, a perfect work. And he said, contrasted that and he said, remember, temptation is trying to produce something in your life as well. It's trying to produce death in your life. And so he's using that. So he does not change his, 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 uh, his mindset. He hasn't changed how he's thinking. He's just saying, now, I want you to understand that God is trying to produce something in your life as well. He's the father of all that's good. That's why he calls him father. Makes perfect sense. He's using the same image. And why does he say lights? Why not God is the father of light. Why does he say God is the father of lights? Well, we saw that there's the good and there's the perfect. And I want to say to you this morning that there's created light and then there's also uncreated light. And we're going to look at what I mean by that. The first created light is the light of nature. The light of nature. It's light of, you know, this is a created light source here. The sun is a created light source. And Paul uses that image in Romans chapter 1 verse 19 as part of, how he describes God's common grace to all of humanity. And he says this, he says, for what has been known about God is plain to man because he has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that man is without excuse. There's this... this, this, Paul describes as, as our conscience, it's, it's, uh, it's the light of nature, it's what God has revealed through His creation to us, and by, by it we can know Him, and we can, we, we can um, know something of Him, and we know about God, but the problem is, is that knowledge is sufficient to condemn us, it's not sufficient to save us, <laughs> and that's what James is pointing us to. And all the things I've talked about, common grace, you know, all that stuff, those four areas that i talked about, that can make us thankful in some ways, but it doesn't really produce genuine thankfulness from people's hearts. And why do I say that? Because Paul goes on in verse 21, and he he defines it even further. He says this, he says, For they, they knew God, they did not honor God, or honor Him as God, and give thanks to Him, because they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And so even the knowledge of all of God's creation and every good thing and acknowledging that something of God is revealed to that doesn't save you, doesn't produce thankfulness, thankfulness in your heart or in my, my heart. And Paul says that in, in 2 Corinthians verse 6 of chapter 4. He says, God who said, Let shine out of darkness, light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That is what produces thankfulness in us. A revelation of the gospel. When we see all that Christ has done, there's genuine thankfulness that begins to flow from our hearts. Grace changes everything. Everything. How you see yourself, how you see the world, how you see other people, it changes everything. Okay. I'm, I'm doing all right this morning. Feeling a little insecure today, I don't know why, but anyway. <laughs> so, that's why. So, how do we understand what light, what is James talking about by light? I want to suggest to you there are three things we can, the uh, way we can understand light. I'm talking about natural light now, created light. One, light is brightness. Light is brightness. Genesis 1.3. What does God say? He says, let, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. So in other words, there was brightness as opposed to what was dark. There was a separation that came. Light is brightness. Light is also heat. Psalm 19, verse 1, 4, and 6. I'm going to read them together. I love this verse. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world, In him, he has set a tent for the sun. Don't you love that? God's huge, huge universe. He sets a tent for the sun. It's like he's just pitching a tent for the sun. It's rising from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of time. And there's nothing hidden from its heat. Nothing is hidden from its heat. So light is heat. Light is brightness. Light, thirdly, is knowledge. Knowledge. It's what brings revelation. It's what brings insight and guidance to us. I love Psalm 119, which says, in the verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It brings revelation. It brings knowledge. It brings insight. It brings guidance. And we can see those things, those three aspects of light, in both how we understand common grace and how we understand saving grace. Because there's the light of the sun, for example. It gives light, it gives heat, it gives energy, it brings life to everything that its rays fall on. There's new light that brings new knowledge, the advances in technology, etc. That I've, I've spoken about already. And then there's the light of the gospel, and the light of the gospel brings light to dark souls. <laughs> it, bring, it chases away depression. It chases, it displaces evil in our lives. That's the light of the gospel. That's not. Natural light—that's that's that's uncreated light. That's the light of God that can do those things in our lives. It it chases away depression. It chases away guilt. It chases away fear. It displaces all of those things. That's the light of the gospel. So I put it to you this morning that if you're feeling guilty and you're feeling broken in your life, it's not advances in technology that are going to remove that from you. It's not psychological counseling that's going to remove it from you. It's only the good news of the gospel of Jesus that can take that kind of guilt off your shoulders. And the same gospel, the same light of the gospel has power to defeat the devil. It gives you power in your life to resist temptation. It gives you power in your life to say no to the flesh. The light of the gospel that shines in your heart shines in, in your life. So I'm saying to you that from the moment that you are saved, it's not just that you are now ensured that you have a place in heaven somewhere one day, and that's kind of like your your, your ticket to heaven. <laughs> it is that. Of course it's that. And it's sure, we are eternally assured of our salvation in Christ because of the gospel. But from the moment that you are saved, you can know divine guidance. You can know this amazing light of God in your life to, to help you to walk day by day as you walk by the Spirit. That's also the promise of the gospel. Instantly. From the moment that you're saved, that you can live supernaturally. Not just like a natural person. So what I'm saying to you this morning is that every breakthrough in our life, in our lives, your life and my life, it comes through the light of the gospel. That's why Paul prays. What does he pray for the Ephesians church? He's so concerned for this church. He says this, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened and opened, that you might know the hope to which he has called you that is the, the riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints. Paul's heart is always, I want you to understand more of the gospel. I want to see more, you to understand more of the light of the gospel in your life. I'm finding this, the more I study these things, I've said to Helen the other day, the more I'm finding deep in my own life, there are things that are still not transformed by the gospel. And God wants to transform me still more. This is, not a, this is a beautiful thing, it's a wonderful thing. It's a reality of saying, I'm not perfect. <laughs> what did Greg say yesterday? He said, the fact that you have to show, go to sleep each day shows that God can control the universe without you. He doesn't actually need us. We think he needs us so much. <laughs> but he can actually get on for the eight or nine hours that you sleep and still be in control of the universe without you. Without your help. Without my help. And surely this is the greatest breakthrough, that the Holy Spirit has promised to us to lead us into all truth. Surely that is the greatest breakthrough. The Spirit does that perfectly. And Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us, the right hand of the Father of lights interceding for us. What I'm trying to say to you this morning is that James is trying to get us to see there are two kinds of light. Just as there's the good and the perfect, there's two kinds of light. There's the natural created light, and there is uncreated perfect light. Which is God Himself. Have you ever thought? 1 John 1 5 says this of God. Says, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. I was thinking about that this week and trying to just reflect upon it. That means that God is indescribable, He is brilliant, He is radiant. Brightness that has no source. And yet, people have experienced that light. Paul experienced that light when he was on the road to Damascus. He was persecuting the church, he was killing Christians. And it just says he was on the road to Damascus, and suddenly, this amazing radiance filled the sky and he fell to the ground and he could not see for three days. He was blinded by this light. And in that moment, God spoke to him. Jesus said to him, why are you persecuting my church? That's something that we can't describe. It's it's like nothing created. It's, It's not the sun. It's not a bolt of lightning. It's nothing that is known to us. It's the supernatural, brilliant luminance that is God. It's indescribable. I love this. God says Jesus is going to come back. It's going to be a coming day when Jesus is going to come back and he's going to deal with evil and wickedness and pain in the world irrevocably, absolutely, finally. And this is what Hebrews and actually the devil himself will be dealt with. Right, he's going to do away with evil forever. And I love Hebrews 1 3. It talks about Jesus as the radiance, the brightness of God's glory. That brightness, that radiance of God's glory is going to come back. And we are going to see him in heaven and he's going to come down and every eye will see him at the same time. And I don't know how that's possible, but that's what the Bible says. This, this radiance of the glory of God, the light of the glory of God in the person of Jesus is going to come back and going to displace and destroy evil forever. 1 Timothy 6.16. Paul encouraging Timothy, he says, Until the appearing of the, our Lord Jesus Christ which he will display at the proper time, he who, has blessed, he, who, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him the honor and eternal glory forever. That's how Paul encourages Timothy to wait for the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. What I love is, I was just thinking about this and reading some commentaries, this thing of God being light. How did Jesus describe himself? He said, I am the light of the world. This eternal, uncreated radiance that is outside of time, that surrounds us from the the front and behind and all around us. It's it's uncreated. It's got no source. This, This light of God... This eternal presence that can only be described in that way. This light came into the world in the person of Jesus. And what does the scripture say? Jesus says, goes on, but the men love the darkness more than that they love the light. So Jesus, Jesus, the perfect gift, God himself, the perfect gift, the light of the world comes and dwells amongst us as a man. And when he comes again, on that day, his brightness, his glory, his radiance is going to decimate and do away with evil and pain and wickedness forever. What a day that's going to be. I want to encourage you. Jesus said heaven and earth will pass away, but I didn't finish what he said because he said, what did he say? He said, but my words will never pass away. What is unchanging and permanent is the Word of God. And I want to encourage you this morning to put your trust in Him, in His Word, not in what is good, not in what you can see, even those things are to be enjoyed. But we put our trust, our full, complete trust, in the perfect gift of God to us Himself, Jesus. We put our trust in Jesus completely. He is unchangeable. He who is eternal. He who does not leave us. He who is not fickle. He who is today and gone tomorrow. That kind of eternal person, presence, light, we put our trust in Him. One glance from God, one look from Him, he reaches that eternal radiance that is just beyond space and time. The fullness of God in the person of Jesus dwells in you. And He is quickening your mortal body, enabling you to say no to temptation, no to ungodliness, to live for Him. Not by trying hard. No, but because His presence is in you. The eternal light of of glory lives in you by the person of Jesus and through the power of His Holy Spirit. Man, that is incredible. It is incredible. And lastly, I just want to look at this. Why does he say there's no variation or shadow due to change? What does that mean? Well, I was thinking about that this week, and it's, 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 a, it's a, a simple but a profound thing. Because every created light casts a shadow, no, no matter how bright that source is. So even the sun, which in our universe is the most powerful source of light, it it casts shadows wherever it goes. The spotlight is casting my shadow. What does it speak about? It speaks about the imperfection of created light. That created light, no matter how strong, how brilliant it is, it has limitations. Because there are objects that when they come in to to the, the influence of that light, still cast a shadow. So there's a limitation of even the brightest light, but we saw just now. It said God is light, and in Him there's no darkness at all. In other words, what James is trying to say is that everything that is light, all joy, all revelation, all understanding, all purity, every good thing comes from God, and He cannot change the way that a shadow moves as the sun turns. He cannot change. He is constant. That's what He's saying. Isn't that beautiful? It's a beautiful picture. Where the light of God shines, there's no shadow cast. There's nothing cast because there's nothing that get it can get in the light of God's to cast a shadow. So God's light comes from all around. It comes from above. It comes from—I don't want to say from below because it does no no good thing comes from below. It comes from above. It comes from around. It surrounds us. It has no source. That's the light of God, and it casts no shadow. That's an incredible, incredible picture. I close with this. In Revelation, there's a picture of the new heaven, and the new earth, and the new Jerusalem, and uh, in chapter. 21 verse 22, it says this, John has got this amazing vision, and he says, I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine upon it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. New heaven, new earth. No need of sun, no need of moon, just the radiance of he is eternal, who is uncreated, shining all around us, bringing glory to himself. So, when we go to be with him, whether that's, unless he comes back first, but when we die and we go be with him, we're going to be in that uncreated radiance together with him in that glory. And in a sense, that's true even now for us because the Bible says by grace, we we can experience something of that now. We are in him who is constant. We are in him who knows no shadow of turning. We are in him who is steady, who is not fickle, who is constant in every way. One day we will be in that city. What a day that's going to be. And we are going to worship. We are going to rejoice. And I want to encourage you until that day, Continue to worship. (laughs) Continue to persevere. Continue to love others. Continue to do good. Continue to be generous. Continue to say no to temptation in your life. Continue to say no to the flesh, no to the devil. Keep steadfast in that. Why? Because we want patience to produce its perfect work in us. This is the gospel of Jesus. Now, how can we stand firm? We can stand firm simply because Every good gift comes to us from heaven. It's coming down to us every day of our lives from him who does not change. The Father of lights and in, in him there is no shadow of turning. He is constant in every way and he doesn't change as the sun turns. He doesn't change. This is the good news of the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus and what he has for us. Amen.